Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing very good. Life has been crazy. Every single day something new happens. I just, you know, I, it, it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be in the, the Bitcoin crypto space right now. I think it's the most important industry in the world. It's tangential to everything. It's about to disrupt everything and uh the world is just waking up to it and here we are we've been here for four plus years and uh you know everything is just kind of playing out it's awesome playing out exactly as we all predicted yeah dude i've completely like lost any sort of like frame of reference of like what is like the outside the world of crypto before coming into crypto i was you know worked in a mental health agency uh and then when was a physical you know, like normal people jobs. And like when I would go and meet people, I would say, hey, what do you do? And they would tell me, look, oh, here's my normal person job that I do. And I would respond to them, oh, here's my normal person job that I do. And like that, it's, I've been like four years removed from all of that type of stuff. Like I have no idea what it's like to be a normal person anymore. It's just completely crypto only. And, and like you said, thank God, because it's so entertaining. It's so Every every single Monday, I sit down on my computer. I'm like, all right, there's going to be a new like new cycle. There's going to be a new series of events. Somebody did something this week, and it's just Monday. So like, have have at it. Like, I feel like there's barely like 12 hours maybe on Sunday where it's like actually a boring like life. And every other moment in time, it's just like there's always something to like talk about and discuss. And very, very blessed. I live inside of a very entertaining industry. Not only is it entertaining, but I feel like if you keep up with with the Bitcoin sphere, you keep up with stocks, you keep up with uh, macroeconomics, you keep up with geopolitics, uh, you keep up with you know all these kind of like things that are just naturally part of where Bitcoin and crypto kind of hit. Uh, it's just such an advantage, like, honestly, I, I, I feel like I come into every conversation and I, like, just know more than most, like, than the average person who's, like, getting their news off Flipboard, you know? Like, that's who I'm, like, you know, some yuppie who's getting their news off Flipboard. I just feel like I'm more in touch. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, that's I, when we did our POV episode with um, NLW, that's, that's, like, the angle that I was trying to get at. I think we kind of had a strong angle with him. Silicon Valley versus Congress uh, strife and friction. That's relevant. Like the left and the right rioting versus the government. That's super relevant. Like almost everything is is relevant to crypto. And I feel like that's why we're why can we, we, we can be so confident that like we are we are at the root of all things. Like crypto is very much a first principles perspective on the world. And that, it's, that, that's always why I, I feel very convicted in this industry. It's that, like people here are, are getting to the bottom of things. It, we're at the root of what makes humanity tick. Uh, it's very, very fun place to be. It's a very, van- it's very an advantaged vantage point to view the rest of the world. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I really just think of it as like really an example of iron sharpens iron. Just like when you're in this space and like, okay, there's one thing if you're just voraciously consuming Bitcoin, crypto and Ethereum content, right? That's one level of like iron sharpens iron. But the next level of that, like where it takes it up to the next level is like you get onto these forums and you start you know, engaging in the battle and war of ideas and you try to Mm -hmm. contribute. Right. And I feel like me and you, maybe we're an example of, you know, people, maybe we're not technical per se, but we're absolutely contributing to whatever Mm -hmm. is going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. just through the exchange of ideas and being here. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just so exciting and engaging and, um, you know, really like just being part of this experience, even when I make a fool of myself on it, right? Like there's a learning experience there. And the mm-hmm. next time I'm better equipped to, to handle that. Like I've had many experiences in the past, like let's call it 12 months where it's like, okay, 12 months ago, I didn't know my shit. I was like barking up the wrong tree. And then now because of that, and I, because I had to like go and figure out my shit, like I can come back and, and back that up better. Yeah, yeah. The, the the whole entire crypto industry as a whole is like one gigantic crucible. It's like it's 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 steep competition in every single step of the way, right? Like Bitcoin miners are in competition with Bitcoin miners, right? DeFi apps are in competition with DeFi apps. Content producers are in con- in competition with content producers, and there's it, I guess it's not really ne- necessarily anything like different about the legacy world, but at least with the crypto world, like. There's so much scarcity and attention, yet there's also so much like abundance of desire to like communicate and chat and tinker. Like no matter if you're like a developer or you're like a content person like us or a culture narrative person like us, like there's always like this massive crucible of progress and innovation. And that's one thing I would, I'll definitely like tip my hat to like the the Bitcoin content creators because there's so fucking many of them that they have gone down like every single rabbit hole and explored every single niche in every single direction. And so like, if there's some sort of like connection between like Bitcoin and some esoteric idea, like some Bitcoiner podcast, like has talked about it. Like they have, they've already talked about it. <laughs> it's already happened. Um, and and what what can be explored will be explored in this industry, uh, just because like there's in, this insatiable demand to both explore and also to like sharpen sticks in every single direction. Yeah, I mean, the I, I've said this multiple times, but Bitcoin is overwhelming in many ways, right? And it's like mm-hmm. okay, yeah, it's overwhelming as a technology. It's overwhelming as in like. I think it's just overwhelming in its essence, right? This overwhelming decentralization, overwhelming content production, mm-hmm. over, overwhelming mm-hmm. narratives, overwhelming confusion, overwhelming opti- <laughs> uh, optimism. It's just like, it's just nonstop insanity at, at, on all fronts. And in terms of the, the content producing game, like as someone who's leading a Bitcoin magazine, like... I feel like I'm competing against Bloomberg and Coindesk and Cointelegraph and Marty Bent and Bankless. And, you know, I like literally from bloggers to Bloomberg. Seriously, like, <laughs> I feel like that is that is the spectrum of competition that I like feel like I'm exposed to every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the best part about that competition, like it's one part competition where it's like dog eat dog. But it's also at the one the other part is like it's competition where like if your competition like gets ahead of you and makes a piece of content before you did, well, like 
there's going to be a next round of content. And like, because you didn't have the advantage of going first, you still have the advantage of going second. Right. And so like, it's actually more composable and more creative and more pie growing. Right. Like um, say, say like Cami Russo got Mark Cuban before Bankless got Mark Cuban, but Bankless's Mark Cuban episode did way better than Cami's episode. And we had the, actually had the privilege of like going second with Mark Cuban. Right. Whereas sometimes like, but Cami also had the privilege of going first. And, the, and we can just we can extend this out, not from just uh, content production, but literally every other like facet of crypto that we just talked talked about, like DeFi apps, like you can be second and late, but you also have the advantage of going second, right? Like you can be you can be a Bitcoin miner and being late to the game, but you like you can learn from other people's mistakes sooner than they did. Right. Um, yeah. Just the same thing back to the crucible where like it's a, it's a crucible and it's like this deepest competition in the world, but like that competition ends up just building on the shoulders of giants of the people that came like literally three to nine months before you did. Yep. No, I mean, and like, I have this kind of like thought in my head where it's like the best Bitcoin crypto developers haven't even been born yet. Like the most mm -hmm. knowledgeable high priests of Ethereum and Bitcoin have not even begun to engage with it. Like look at Michael Saylor as an example of that. He entered in in 2020. Like Bitcoin right. has gotten where it got before Michael Saylor up until like less than a year ago or maybe about a year ago. So it really took, like I, I interviewed the guy who orange pilled him and uh, it really took 2020 happening for Michael to even open up his mind to Bitcoin in the first place. Right. And I just think that that's going to, that effect is going to continue to happen. And, you know, there are brilliant, 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 brilliant engineers and developers who are still heads down working at, at Facebook. They're still right. heads down working at, at Google, but they mm -hmm. haven't been ripped away from that yet. And gosh, like they will be soon. They will be. I, I have, I'm very confident of that. Totally. Who, what, what does, Michael Saylor like represent these days? Like, cause to me, like Michael Saylor is almost like King Bitcoiner. And like you said, he came around, he's not even a year old as a Bitcoiner, or maybe he's getting to that point, maybe secretly, but like what, what, what from the vantage point of Bitcoiners, like what, what is, what is Michael Saylor these days? Well, so Bitcoin magazine was going through some financial statements of, uh, MicroStrategy like 10 days ago. Um, mm -hmm. And we found like a sentence about how they're exploring like what seemed to be chain analysis software as part of their core business unit, right? So we just like just in, you know, this is what was in that, you know, paperwork. And Michael Saylor actually responded to it, but there was like legitimate fury uh, to the right. like concept of MicroStrategy like entering into the chain analysis compliance game. Um, mm -hmm. So and like there was, Michael Saylor got on a podcast later and someone asked him about it. Right. And he was like, well, you know, if you, if you cross the plebs, like you get burnt at the stake, like he said things like that. Right. So I feel like he's a great advocate right now, but there's this, there is this ethos, at least within like the, let's call it the diehard hardcore toxic Bitcoin community of like you, you, you take down your heroes like you, mm -hmm. you, you, you burn your heroes at some point um, and you need to be ready to do that. So uh, I feel like the plebs have been in like kind of what Michael calls the cyber hornets have been very clear to him that he is not uh, above that. But, you know, <laughs> I think there's a great example that, you know, you, I think it's pretty clear that every single hardcore Bitcoiner fucking hates BitPay. Right. Right. But 
every single day, BitPay still signs enterprise clients to accept Bitcoin and cryptocurrency through their solution. And there's nothing that Bitcoiners can do to stop it. So, I mean, that's just the reality of permissionless money is that like mm-hmm. you can effing hate how so-and-so is treating Ethereum, but guess what? I mean, as long as they're within the consensus rule, you cannot stop them from actually being an economic actor. You can't. Right. Um, and again, uh, BitPay, blockchain.com, great examples of that. And I'm sure many more will emerge in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty phenomenal, like astounding how far Michael Saylor has come in such a short amount of time because he's articulated things about Bitcoin that I've never heard Bitcoiners articulate. Um, well, he like you can see about his uh, his backlog of URLs that he owns that he was onto the digital scarcity thing really fucking early. Like he was he was debating some guy, uh, this guy, Frank something. He was like really into the gold mining business uh, a few weeks ago on Sansbury Research. And he was talking smack on Twitter. He's like, I have Frank.com. So I po- pointed Frank.com to Bitcoin resources. Uh, in preparation for <laughs> for this debate, um, so he's just like flexing like that. He has he has Michael.com, Mike.com. Right now, Hope.com wow. is pointed towards Bitcoin resources. Well, Frank um, Frank.com points to Hope.com, which which points to Bitcoin is hope, which has a bunch of uh, Michael Saylor argument uh, pieces of content on the front page. That's fine. Yeah. So there you go. So it's it's a, a very selfish shill of both himself as well as Bitcoin and flexing with his uh, URLs that he bought in the 90s. Um, he also, he, he kind of like, he gets the network effects game. Like, so he, like, he was very much an individual who was super freaking primed for Bitcoin. Like, I feel like I was very primed. I feel like the majority of Bitcoiners, crypto enthusiasts even, they were very primed for Bitcoin. Our good friend, Kenny, you know, he's... Many reasons why he he freaking gets it, and he was ready before like it even came around, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, I, and then on top of that, like you said, there's this proliferation of just high quality content now. Like mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Like there could be, I could randomly like there could be a list of thirty five podcasts. I could randomly like give them to a friend, and I'd at least rest easy knowing that they aren't giving him like completely bad advice. You know, <laughs> whereas like that was not the case before, right? Like I could mm-hmm. risk like, all right, this is at least good enough. This is close. This is close right. enough, and I can like understand that I can yeah. trust this resource right. to a meaningful degree. Right. Yeah, we won't lose track of you if you go down this rabbit hole. We'll be able to find you. Yeah. Well, we're we're still losing people to the rip, Ripple and Cardano rabbit hole, but I guess less and less and less is meaningful these days. I, yeah. I well, into- I. I I think that rabbit hole spits people out on the the high quality asset side. I've seen a lot of that. From what I've experienced, people go into like the shit, which they go into Ripple, Cardano, Doge, and then either they just yeet themselves right back out or they keep on going. But obviously they don't stay there. Like no one, no one long-term commits to Dogecoin. I mean, not that I, I guess I wouldn't know. I guess I wouldn't know. Hey, but you know what? Statistically, they're in the money at any point in Doge's history. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going like to throw, and that's Doge- that's going to be true for a long time. Like, I think Doge is going to a dollar. I think it's absolutely going to a dollar by the end of this market cycle. And the thing yeah, is, like, my, it's going to yeah. it's going to outcompete a lot of 
perhaps even people like me, like ETH bros, BTC bros, and like, we're going to fucking hate it. But importantly, it's just going to, I think the, the net net result is that like digital assets are hot. Like, and you almost doesn't even matter where you put your money. Like even Cardano did better than like, than like the S&P or your Apple stock or your Amazon stock, right? So I think the takeaway is that like, digital assets are hot and like you can't, and, and they're here to so, stay. So long as this market doesn't do like a 90% drawback, like it, like it's done before. Okay. Well, I, I, I definitely have opposite opinions of that. Uh, I don't okay. think that it's just saying blanket digital assets are hot. I think digital assets are hot. I think that this is a, a cycle that we've seen play out before. And mm-hmm. like, we, we know that you don't hold shit coins, you right. know? So that just means there's going to be a lot of people who get burnt at the stake like once well, again I mean, and that's inevitable that held, people that held xrp and doge at the top of the 2017 market are in the money maybe not xrp but doge yeah no. i mean doge is but so uh, like i would love to do some doge analysis because i i do think that doge is not your average shitcoin. um whereas like I, I mean i agree with that for sure yeah i mean what i think the key thing about doge is that it is very very clearly not security right? Yeah. Jackson yep. Palmer has left. He said, fuck yep. Doge. This is stupid. No one really has ownership <laughs> over it. Like Satoshi 2.0. So, whatever, you know, it is what it is. But from a legal compliance perspective, Elon Musk can tweet about it. Right. Like Elon Musk cannot tweet about ADA. Like, right. I mean, yeah. there's definitely a lot of limitations there. Mm-hmm. So like Doge and Doge is like, even if it's a dollar, still cheap. Like it has a long from a, <laughs> from a, um, from like a unit bias perspective, it has so much runway, right. has an enormous amount of runway. And my biggest mistake was selling half my doge at four cents because I was right. so up, right? I right. should have like, I should have just held, right? So <laughs> whatever, it is what it is. It is what it is. Okay, so here, I, I, there are two, two more fundamental bullish tailwinds for doge. One is oh, yeah, that hit, I hit bet me. you... I bet you, I bet you there's as a percentage wise, there's way more doge that's lost than Bitcoin percentage wise. And so there's actually way more scarce than what people give it credit for. The market cap is actually way lower than what people give it credit for. So there, there's one thing. The, the second thing is that I saw TikTokers doing doge songs and dances, right? About like TikTokers just like making a song and a dance about how Doge is going to a dollar and then they're getting a bajillion likes for engagement, right? And so that's incentivizing more TikTokers to make more Doge song and dance videos. And they're not doing it to pump Doge to a dollar. They're doing it because that's the video that is getting them 10 million views. And yeah. like, I can't, I can't remember like in two or three fast food uh, joints started doing a Doge promotion, right? Like Doge is going to a dollar by, by Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supreme. Like, doge is engaging like everyone is is. marketing doge and it's working right and so everyone is hopping on the doge chill train because everyone else is hopping on the doge chill train and it's just free marketing that's fundamentals in the crypto world that's as good as fundamentals as i can think of uh and so doge is like probably 10 times more scarce than what people give it credit for and it's getting the most free marketing in ways that bitcoin and ethereum haven't by like just being part of like tiktok shield game Well, I mean, in, like in, in vectors that, that that Bitcoin and Ethereum haven't. Yeah, I, I think that I think all of these things are fractals. So mm-hmm. Bitcoin's the main fractal. Ethereum is this other fractal with bajillions of fractals coming off mm-hmm. of it. Doge is just another fractal of of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all part of the same sphere of onboarding the world onto crypto UX. Right. 
That's what's happening. So it doesn't fucking matter if it's Doge or if it's Dai or if it's Bitcoin. Though what matters is people understand digital wallet on my phone. Mm-hmm. I can get into from fiat to not fiat. There's this thing called fiat. Fiat goes right. burr. Governments manipulate those. <laughs> like we are teaching the world these rudimentary lessons. And guess what? When you zoom in, it looks like freaking 18 year old doing TikTok dance about Doge going to a dollar. When you zoom out, we are onboarding the world to Bitcoin. We're onboarding the world to crypto. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. what's happening. So it's chaotic and messy when you zoom in. But when you zoom out, like, man, it is a beautiful organic process of just software eating the world. It's beautiful. Did you see the uh, that TikTok that was going around of the kindergarten teacher? Maybe not kindergarten, but like elementary school teacher who was showing what uh, her classroom, her, her boys in her classroom were drawing because they needed to get paper up on the walls for some reason. Did you did you see this? No. Okay, so TikTok teacher doing a TikTok video. She goes, Here, here's, we needed to get a bunch of pieces of paper up on the walls to cover the walls for some fucking reason. And so I let I let the class like draw their stuff and the boys are just, were obsessed with I did this new meme or something. It's called stonks. Uh, and so all the boys in the in the classroom were drawing like the, the the pattern was a figure, like a character, and then line like bar chart bar lines in the in the in the background with an arrow going up and to the right. And so there was there was like imagine all of your favorite cartoon figures. There was like cat dog stonks. There was like, I, I don't know, all the other like Zoomer cartoon figures. I need to figures. see this. I need it's, to see it was this. so good. The, the last one was uh, from Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. It was Kronk stonks. And it was just a great picture of Kronk with stonks up and to the right. And this was elementary school, bro. This is elementary school. I'm like, dude, if this is not a late stage fiat credit cycle like symptom, then I don't know what is. Kronk stonks. Dude, yeah. Well, guess what? Like fourth turning uh, sovereign individual being in the Bitcoin crypto space, watching all this play out. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You yeah. Know, I feel like no I'm at an informational else. advantage. Like, right. I, I understand what these little kids are going through. And then on the flip side, the teacher is just confused as fuck. Right. Like, she is yeah. the yuppie elite. She doesn't understand what the fuck is happening. You know, and we are not to say like, well, you know, we're so much greater, but we're just more plugged in. I know that for a yeah. fact. And I, yeah. I can prove it because I had mass before most people did. You had, you had like, mass? He had masks in 2020 before most people did. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, I, like, I know sure. that I'm more plugged in. I, I sure. can see that from the results. Yeah, no, no, it's very, very right. Crypto, crypto Twitter was plugged into COVID before everyone else. Yeah. And like very, uh, maybe we're just patting ourselves on our back and just, you know, circle jerking here, but like connecting, connecting like a bunch of like fifth graders and what they are drawing on a, on an elementary school classroom wall to like the fiscal policy of the federal reserve. Like no one else can do that. Yeah. Like I have to preface, like when I get deep in Bitcoin, like, all right, these are big ideas. Get ready to open your mind for something Mm -hmm. that you might have never considered before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude there was a oh this is not how it appears 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna about to dox a certain aspect of my life. But there was a, I was uh, scrolling through the dating apps, and one of, uh, I, I don't want to butcher this, but I sometimes, sometimes I just shoot myself in the foot when it comes to dating apps. Um, but this, uh, this one prompt on Hinge was, uh, teach me something about your profession and your passion. And then I just said, I said to response, oof, I'm not sure what if you know what you're getting yourself into here. And the chick replies, I'm ready. And I go, ready to talk about how digital assets is going to usher in a modern day renaissance and finally allow for wealth to distribute and proliferate outside of entrenched institutions and get into the internet native generations and give rise to an era of digital art and digital culture. And I haven't gotten a response yet. Big, big surprise. <laughs> you, you must have not have really cared about that one because you, you didn't give yourself a chance. Yeah, no, no, I did not. Yeah, it, 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 it's not something like uh, I need to present that like pretty sooner rather than later or else or else it's just going to come collapsing down later. So I, I choose to fight the hard path first. OK, so I actually want to ask you this, like my fiance I would mm -hmm. say like not a native Bitcoiner. She's like mm -hmm. obviously exposed to it all the fucking time and <laughs> the people and all that stuff. So like she gets it at this point, like not right. by like, not? you know, not voluntarily, you know, <laughs> so, like when you're going around, are you, are you like, if you found like a hot girl that you were attracted to, that mm -hmm. was also like into Ethereum, into Bitcoin, into whatever, in some sort of like not shallow way, is that a huge bonus? Do you want that? Or like, or is it like, are you just looking for someone you're compatible with? And this is like your career and that's slightly separate. Like, I, I, I'm just trying to understand a little, a little David uh, to yeah, the audience sure. here to get deep in your, in your personal life. Yeah. If she was when I am going on dates, I, I obviously don't lead with crypto. If And if anything, I lead with bankless because they ask, like, oh, what do you do for, for a living? I'm like, oh, I have a newsletter podcast like media company. And like, oh, about what? It's like, oh, education in the crypto space. And then like, that's like, that's the rope that I'll leave like out. Like, hey, if you want to pick up that rope, like we can, we can go, you can, you can pick that up and we can go down to see where that leads. Um, but usually that's where I just stop. And I was like, yeah, bankless, education in crypto and, and digital assets. Uh, I'm a badass yeah. entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, and then I do say something along, along the lines of like, it's nice to be my own boss, indicating that I'm de decently well off, um, which, which is enough, which is enough. And then we can go into other, other subjects as well. But if the girl is like curious about it, then that is a bonus, I would say. If she's like, because like, yeah, I, I like it when people are interested in the things that I am also interested in. So there's some resonance there. It's definitely not a deal breaker. And to, to some degree, I kind of, th there was, a, there was a, a time where I actually did go on a date with a girl who worked at Coinbase as like kind of a manager. And it was actually kind of like a turnoff because I was, I was like, well, if, I, if I'm dating a girl who's also in the industry, the industry that I'm spending 12 plus hours a day in, like, am I ever going to like have a moment to breathe that's not crypto? Like probably not. So for my own sanity, like probably I should probably try to find someone who can offset my polarity. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, we, we've had like times where like, you'd be like, all right, let's do this thing. I'm like, no, I have to like, you know, like unplug to, you know, get to, right. you know, family life a little bit. So it's definitely mm -hmm. nice to like kind of have that forcing function for sure. Yeah. Um, but okay, last personal question that we can get back to crypto and then maybe wrap this one up. <laughs> but like what, okay, what's better? What's better? So find a match and then eventually like they come to really appreciate Ethereum or find an Ethereum that 
like potentially could be a good match, right? Like what? Right. What, yeah. what, what do you think is more optimal? Oh no, I've actually definitely thought about path number two. Um, I am now the uh, one of the managers of the Seattle Ethereum Meetup uh, group, and so when it comes to just like building out like a social world post COVID in Seattle, I'm definitely planning on like leading that charge, but I'm totally into the possibility of somebody who like meeting somebody who's straight up, like not, not necessarily because there's a difference between somebody who's just like has a foot in the world of crypto versus somebody who's completely all in. Like I, I could take that trick. Curious, casual, convicted. So you're like talking about casual. Super, no, I, I'm talking yeah, about saying, like convicted yeah. or, or nothing. Or convicted okay. or is like so it, working yeah. in a completely different industry, like equal to my level of conviction or some sort of just like, I don't know. You, okay. A nice doctor or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. in between. Yeah. Cause it either can get you on that fundamental level or it's like, right. this is my mm-hmm. job. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have to go in the weeds. I love you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. For That's sure. Exactly right. Cool. Cool. All right. Good, good stuff. Uh, nice to have a friendly conversation uh, this time around. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been doing some yelling for sure. Yeah, no, I, but I have to say on the on the ultrasound money versus sound money whatever meme one, the ultrasound money thing is unfortunately catching on because I think very it's sticky. like bollocks. It's very but, sticky. Eh, I don't know. We'll see how sticky it is. You know, pumping shit coins is the thing to do these days, so it's not a surprise that. Hey, you know, Bitcoin's great, but we can do it better is is a is a meme that is is working for now. Uh, but on well, the flip it, side, the ultrasound money meme is one it's one part truth as in ether is literally ultrasound money and one part making fun of bitcoiners and just making fun of the sound money meme in the first place because it's just kind of funny. It's like, "Oh, you have sound money, we have ultrasound money." It's just kind of like, it's like a, a cheap, stupid, like one up. And it, it's kind of makes a farce of the whole thing. And that's kind of why Ethereans like it to some, to some level. Yeah. But you know, to some degree it's, it's misleading. So um, that's why I, I would I'd generally push back against it. And uh, Naturally. I did, I did see uh, it was, uh, it was interesting to see uh, what's his face, Jeff Garzik. Uh, mm. call out Ryan and just be like, no, you're you're misconstruing what sound means in this context. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really I mean, I, I think Garzik's been sound is. Yeah, I mean, I think that Garzik's been very like, you know, like he hasn't been anti-DeFi or Ethereum in any way, right? He's definitely posted very pro things about Tornado Cash and Uniswap and stuff like that. But it was interesting mm-hmm. to be like, yo, come on, like, and kind of agree with the Bitcoiners there. So, I mean, I think that does justify like us being like, your definition of sound is like not aligned with how, you know, the the, the term that Bitcoin is sound money, gold is sound money, right? It, that's right. It's, you're, you're using a new definition for sound. Right. Yeah. Well, not not completely because the the I would I would also say that Bitcoiners are are using different definitions of sound in different contexts, and in one of those contexts, that yes, the ultrasound money meme is not resonant with how Bitcoiners are using it. But ultrasound money meme came out of Michael Saylor talking about how Bitcoin is sound money, and then started talking about the parameters that make up sound money, and in that context. Ether it answers to being ultrasound money in that very specific way of being sound, where he wasn't talking about uh, top-down control over monetary policy, but he was more talking about like BTC, the unit as a storehold, a vehicle or storehold of wealth, and that being able to persist over time. 
And that is where Ether as ultrasound money is like, it's a storehold of wealth that can persist over time. Then we can get into a separate conversation, which is, can that be tinkered with? And if it can, then it's not sound money. And if it, if it can't, it is sound money. And that's a separate conversation or, or separate definition of sound, which I think Bitcoiners play on both sides of. And you have to pick one for us to really talk about and, and rather than just saying, well, Ether is not ultrasound money because it doesn't fit this definition and not rug pull us when we're actually talking about a different definition. I barely know what you just said, but um, okay. yeah, I, I'm just going to go and say, uh, let's just agree to disagree and we can have a whole nother podcast on this <laughs> subject as we have done multiple times in the past. Uh, but well, for the time we're being... having a Justin Drake on uh, State of the Nation tomorrow live stream. If you want to tune in and ask any questions, no, for modeling okay. ultrasound money is the title. All right. Well, I don't really think his modeling is very set, very set an good. alarm. Okay, set an alarm so you don't miss it. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, hey. So I, I don't know if we're going to get this one out today. Today is though at the twenty sixth. But that's on you, uh, David. Uh, but in terms of uh, this week, it's a crazy ass week for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, today, the 26th was like the last, you know, cryptographically verifiable um, word from Satoshi 10 years ago. So this is the 10 year anniversary of like Satoshi's oh, last message. So uh, on Bitcoin Magazine, we have a great, super, super detailed research piece on it uh, by Pete Rizzo. Uh, and Pete has also gone on what Bitcoin did, uh, broke it down. I thought that podcast was great. There's an audio version with Guy Swan with Bitcoin Audible. And uh, Bitcoin Magazine is doing a four-hour live stream dedicated to Satoshi's lineage history, uh, you know, how Bitcoin's kind of ethos formed from that. Um, so that's going to be Wednesday, the 28th. So a lot going on. Uh, I'm sure that at some point, though, I will... Uh, hear what Justin Drake has to say so that way I can get upset at it and uh, <laughs> throw a fit on Twitter. Well, awesome. That is pretty That is pretty crazy that it's been 10 years since Satoshi disappeared. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I, it's, it's it's worthwhile for the, the Ethereans to, to listen into it too, just because uh, mm -hmm. I think it is pertinent. We have a, uh, I totally, 100%. I do, Big, Bitcoiners are very much ahead of, exploring who and what Satoshi Nakamoto is. And I don't think regardless of what your crypto beliefs are, exploring Satoshi is definitely a worthwhile endeavor, no matter what. Um, not only, not because like Satoshi is like a saint or a sacred figure or individual, but like first impressions in crypto really, really matter. Um, like the Genesis block and the the, the whole um, Chancellor on the Brink statement, putting that into the Genesis block, the polit that which is a political choice, that is set in stone a, a, a political message, a political banner that carried that carries through Bitcoin to this day. Uh, and like the way all applications on Ethereum and Ethereum itself and every single blockchain, the way that it becomes built and its first impression upon the world lasts throughout history. Uh, and so you don't really necessarily have to think that Satoshi is like this this you know disciple of, of God to really appreciate like the the ground that he left with his scarce digital messages plastered throughout forums. Well, I would say, and this will be my last word on this, but I think one of the most interesting thing from the What Bitcoin Did podcast that Pete did, just because he got to give the context of the article, but also his analysis was that. Like it was Satoshi knew that he solved the Byzantine generals problem. Mm. It was just 
at that the majority of Bitcoin's early history, he was actually trying to just get people to care about it. Right. Like he posted on the Cypherpunks mailing list because those are the only people that like were even primed enough to understand what the mm -hmm. fuck he was onto, right? Um, right. so uh it really was one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, he knew he was onto something, he was very intentional, but at the on the on the flip side, like you know, he's just trying to get people to freaking care and be a part of it, you know, and he was just trying to build community and like creating the forum was like one of the most impactful things that he did out of all the things he did, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and that kind of and, and it was almost like Bitcoin is a decentralized money with a leader and the the journey of like stripping out that leader is very interesting stuff. But uh, until then, you guys can catch me on Bitcoin magazine. You can catch all the stuff I talked about on there. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CK underscore snarks. And David. Bef before we sign off, I'm going to shill two bankless podcasts that I think anyone in the crypto space, including Bitcoiners, will thoroughly enjoy. One of them was with Joel Manegro from Placeholder VC, and it was about, uh, it was titled Capital and Governance. And Joel makes the case for that, like we we're trying to define capital, and he defined capital as power. And if you can exert change upon the world, that is your capital. Uh, and then we extend that metaphor out into even broader subjects, which I, I know Bitcoiners will really, really like. And then next week we have, we actually brought on a historian and we make the case that the crypto revolution ahead of us is going to be equal to, if not larger than the Renaissance in the 1400s. And we, we talk about the, the meme culture of the 1400s and how the meme culture was used to bring down the palpacy. Uh, because it was a corrupt institution, uh, uh, a hierarchical corrupt institution, and how the printing press as a digital communications tool really allowed meme culture to flourish in the 1400s, along with the advent of double entry bookkeeping, which allowed wealth and art to create and churn. Uh, and and we, we take those metaphors, and also we, we go through a, a metaphor of how Martin Luther and Satoshi are actually very similar figures in, in throughout history. Uh, and, and then we also go into how just like the, the, the blockchain is the new version of double entry bookkeeping and how the internet is the new version of the, the Gu Gutenberg, Gutenberg printing press. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and I like those some, analogies. Yeah. And I, I, I think, it, I, I think it's perhaps my, one of my favorite bankless podcast episodes. And I really hope that it sticks with the rest of, uh, rest of this industry. And that is my final send off. Thank you for listening. You can follow me at trustless state, both on Twitter and on bankless. POV with a side of showing our other content. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Will you